Hi everyone, I'm your host Alex and welcome back to Narcosis Into the Deep. Thank you so much for your patience and understanding while I took an extended break from creating episodes. If you're not already aware, it's just me working on the podcast. I do all the research, writing, recording, and editing, so it can be pretty time-consuming. I was starting to feel a little burnt out, and plus I got really sick there for a while. It wasn't COVID, but I had pretty bad bronchitis, so I just needed to take a break. But I'm excited to announce that I'm back in the swing of things, and moving forward, episodes will be released every other week rather than weekly. This gives me more time to make sure that I deliver you a well-researched and well-produced episode without becoming burnt out again. I have had a few people reach out to me to help with research, and I'm in the process of getting that started, but for now, with that covered, let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. We've talked a lot about cave diving on this podcast, and my returning listeners will know just how dangerous cave diving is. But one thing we haven't discussed is how cave diving became a large branch of the scuba diving hobby. Who are some of the people that paved the way for the rest of us? And what became of them? Find out on this week's episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. This week, we're talking about a famous cave diving pioneer named Wesley C. Skiles. Wes was born on March 6, 1958 in Jacksonville, Florida. His father was a parts manager for General Motors, and his mother often let him skip school to go surfing. He became a certified scuba diver at the age of 13 and grew fascinated with the worlds that he found under his sandy feet off of Florida's northern coast. Exploration on Earth is pretty much done in the sense that we've seen almost every corner of the planet, but there does remain one area of the planet unexplored, and that's the deep underwater cave systems. And here in North Florida, we have one of the largest labyrinth of unexplored cave systems on Earth. You know, we've explored hundreds of miles underwater, underground, and we haven't even gotten to the tip of the iceberg. Those who knew Wes said he never seemed to be on land. A classmate recalled an incident that sparked Wes's interest in caves and scuba diving. During the 1973 to 1974 school year, the Fossil Club took a field trip to Ginny Springs, where Wes would watch several divers emerge from the Springs caves and excitedly ask them questions about their hobby. On the ride back to Jacksonville, Wes kept saying, that's what I want to do. After graduating from Englewood High School, Wes would say that he then enrolled in the School of Life and pursued a degree in quote-unquote curology. Throughout his life, Wes picked up other hobbies such as photography and cinematography, which led him into a creative career of filming and photographing the spectacular world that lies under our feet and, at this point, still mostly unexplored. Throughout his life, Wes would become a self-taught expert on Florida's freshwater springs and an outspoken advocate for their conservation. His interests in activism would lead him on some astounding adventures, such as escaping from a collapsed cave off of the Australian coast and being the first person to set foot on the largest iceberg in the world, Iceberg B-15. 
On one event off of the coast of South Africa, a shark jammed itself into Wes's protective cage. The burly photographer beat the shark back with his heavy, waterproof camera, taking pictures throughout the episode and had close-up photos of the Great White's jagged teeth as a token of his survival. In an online profile, Wes quoted an ad from Sir Ernest Shackleton, who was seeking men for his Antarctic expedition. Quote, Men wanted for hazardous journey. Low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness. Safe return, doubtful. Honor and recognition, an event of success. End quote. Under it, Wes wrote, quote, Pretty much reflects my life. End quote. Another exciting tale includes Wes's adventures into the Bohemian Blue Holes, which he often described as his living laboratories. To quote the Washington Post, quote, Wes and other explorers with him spent time on five Bohemian islands, making 150 dives in dozens of blue holes which are unique ecological systems. In a blue hole such as Stargate on Andros Island, a thin layer of freshwater formed by rainfall acts like a lid on a soupy, oxygen-low saltwater trapped in the belly of a cave. The lack of oxygen means there is a low population of bacteria that eats organic matter, leaving, for example, a 3,000-year-old Cuban crocodile skull uncovered in almost perfect condition. The team also found human remains, a diver clad in 1970s scuba gear. End quote. If you don't know this, blue holes necessitate precision diving. They are sporadically filled with clouds of poisonous gases that can cause delirium or death. The explorers weaved through caves containing stalagmite forest tens of thousands of years old and so fragile that an errant fin or a knock of a scuba tank could cause the precious formations to crumble. You know, one of the really amazing things about underwater cave exploration is you just simply never know what you're going to find. In the 1980s, Wes founded Karst Productions, a photography and cinematography company named for the limestone found in freshwater caves and aquifers. Mark Long, who was a friend of Wes and a fellow water conservationist, said Wes, quote, was the first photographer to really get good pictures in underwater caves. Wes's lighting techniques in particular brought vibrancy to his photographs of submerged caverns. The old cave pictures were kind of dull, and he brought them to life, end quote. Terry Skiles, who's Wes's wife, said, quote, People didn't believe them when he told them how big these underwater cave systems were. He loved to show them what he had learned by picture-taking or filmmaking. He was one of the first people to recognize problems with the springs. To prove what he was talking about, he started taking pictures." End quote. This was in Wes's early underwater career. As Wes grew as a photographer and within the conservation community, he eventually filmed, produced, and directed dozens of programs for television, including segments for PBS, IMAX, and the Discovery Channel. Wes created, directed, and was the cinematographer of the PBS series, Water's Journey. The project was an effort by Wes to increase public awareness of their groundwater and hydrogeological cycle. 
For his work on Water's Journey, Wes was awarded the National Academy of Television Arts and Science Suncoast Regional Emmy Award in 2004, as well as the annual HDFest DEFI Awards for Best HD Documentary and Best Cinematography in 2009. Wes had seen the deterioration of Florida's underground world and made it his mission to show the world what was happening through his powerful images. This led to Wes co-founding Karst Environmental Services, which is a hydrogeological consulting firm that performs water studies and tests for private companies and for the state of Florida. But on July 24, 2010, Wesley Skiles' life would sadly come to an early end. Wes had just spent two weeks on a shoot for a television's premier science program, NOVA, filming for a segment called Speed Kills, which featured footage on high-speed predators. The segment he was working on was specifically for Goliath groupers. Ultimately, Wes wasn't happy with the footage he shot, but Nova was prepared to just move on. Ten days after leaving the Nova shoot, Wes went back for another dive with scientists studying the fish on his own time and on his own dime to try to get better footage off of Boynton Beach which is located near Palm Beach, Florida. They'd gone to the reef about a mile out from the shore, and they were 75 feet or 22.8 meters below the water surface and were shooting when Wes signaled to the group that he was going to the surface because his digital tape needed replacing. Not long after, the scientists swam by and found him on the ocean floor, with his regulator no longer in his mouth. Wes was rushed to the local hospital, where he was later declared dead. But the looming question remained, what happened to Wesley Skiles? Later reports would come out stating that Wes was using borrowed diving equipment, specifically his rebreather. We've talked about rebreathers before on the podcast, but just to give a quick recap of them, they're a device that allows divers to recycle their own breaths by scrubbing out the carbon dioxide. This system produces no bubbles, which is the main reason why Wes was using it. Bubbles tend to scare off fish, and so no bubbles meant better footage. After he was found dead, his friends and family began to speculate. They thought maybe the rebreather had malfunctioned somehow, and Wes passed out and drowned. At least, they thought, he never knew what hit him. At least he didn't die back in some cave, lost or trapped, waiting for his air to run out, like so many others they had known. After performing an autopsy, the coroner would later report that Wes had died from drowning. The medical examiner's chief investigator told the Palm Beach Post, quote, There was nothing to indicate natural causes or outside forces, end quote. Wes's wife, Terry, would later go on to sue the company Lamartech Inc., claiming that the rebreather Wes had borrowed, the DiveRite O2 Optima FX, had a known malfunction that stopped delivering oxygen to the diver, which caused Wes to lose consciousness and drown. However, Lamartech countered that there was no evidence of either a defect or a malfunction of the rebreather and that they thoroughly tested their products. Instead, Lamartech argued a few positions. 1. Wes had died because he was not trained or certified to use the O2 Optima rebreather. 2. The rebreather was not maintained properly. 3. 
Wes misused the rebreather. 4. He violated numerous safety rules common to scuba diving. And 5. He had taken both hydrocodone and Ambien prior to his fatal dive. After a two-and-a-half-week trial, the jury deliberated for just four hours before finding that Lamartech was not negligent for failing to test its products. The O2 Optimum was not defective, and Lamartech did not fail to warn consumers of a defect in the system. Wes was survived by his wife, Terry Skiles, and their two children, Nathan and Tessa Skiles. On November 16, 2010, the State Parks Division of the Florida Department of Environmental Protection renamed Peacock Springs Park in Skiles' honor. In 2011, National Geographic featured his work multiple times as well as naming him Explorer of the Year. One thing about Wes is that he never considered himself an environmentalist. He always told people that he was a conservationist. He loved to share what he learned from experience. One friend of Wes shared, quote, he could have a business meeting planned, but if the surfing conditions were good in Jacksonville, he would go surfing. He very much believed in taking advantage of opportunities. You can have a business meeting anytime, but you couldn't always go surfing, end quote. Another one of Wes's friends shared, quote, I never once seen the guy in a bad mood. He always had a smile on his face, end quote. Despite being a scientist, adventurer, photographer, and environmental advocate, his wife considers his family to be his biggest achievement. The couple went diving together many times over the course of their marriage that lasted nearly 30 years. Terry says, quote, He just gave me the best life I could have. He made it an adventure for me. End quote. Wes once said, quote, Everything we do on the Earth's surface has a real, direct connection to the water beneath our feet. We can do better. And I hope to do a story that shows directly that connection. End quote. Uh, in the 70s, we were diving through a very sinuous labyrinth of tunnels in the Devil's Ear cave system, and we came into a room. Here I saw this black shapes, these black circular objects sticking literally out of the wall, and I said, what on earth is that? Well, this is, um, this is what we saw at first. You know, we were swimming into the passageway, and I looked and saw this bizarre pattern that was very un-limestone-like. And we knew it was time to bring it to you guys and you know, well, find out. Well, you did out. the right thing. <laughs> and of course, this is like one vertebra out of, I suppose, 70 or so that would make it a 60-foot archaeocete whale. Wes, tell me what we're going to see today on our dive. Well, we're going to go on an introductory cave dive, a trip into the daylight zone of an underwater cave, which is called a cavern. And this is a place where y'all can relax and enjoy that world without going where you need special training and equipment. You guys ready to go on a cavern dive? Yeah. All ready. Y'all ready? Oh. Nothing can quite prepare you for the experience of diving in these magical pools of light. 
and what looks like just a little shallow pond from the surface um, just opens up and reveals itself to be this magical, deep, complex place underneath the surface. Springs offer a real myriad experience for, for snorkelers, for scuba divers, for cave divers. It doesn't matter what your level of experience is, you can enjoy these places. And the discoveries and, and the connection we make with our past by, by exploring that with the museum is, is something that's extremely enriching. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. I'm your host, Alex, and if you have any questions, please feel free to ask them on the podcast's Instagram page at NarcosisPod or on our Discord server. Both are linked in the episode's description. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast. If you want to support the podcast, there's always Patreon or sharing with a friend. Becoming a patron comes with many benefits, such as voting on what to hear next, exclusive updates, discounts on merchandise, and more. Thank you so much to my newest patrons, J19, David H, Dana S, Rasmus J, Michael S, Vobart, Vanessa B, and Jordan E. You guys really help support the podcast. You have no idea. It means so much to me to have so many of you here enjoying the podcast. Thank you so much, and I will see you again in two weeks.